Are you looking for a resource to discuss all topics air conditioning? Well, you're in the right space. Join the Rawson boys as they discuss the hot topics and the cold hard facts. This is the Air Conditioning Podcast. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast where we talk about all things air conditioning, the hot topics and the cold hard facts. Brad, how are we? Good, how are you mate? Good, going That's well. Good. Um, we're going to, um, we've got a special guest in today guys, uh, and uh, before we jump into that, I just want to acknowledge uh, uh, the support we're getting at the moment um, online, on Facebook and you know, direct messages and things like this. It's been quite overwhelming, would you say, Brad? Yeah, it's been yeah. fairly positive, I would have thought. Very positive indeed. So uh, we're thrilled with that. So keep them coming, guys, just to keep us, I guess, motivated. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, our special guest today, guys, we've got uh, the General Manager uh, in Compliance and Training, uh, Mr Rod Cumming from uh, the Australian Refrigeration Council. How are you, Rod? Very good, thanks, mate. Good. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. We appreciate your time. Very, very good of you. Over from Melbourne? Yes. Rock, rocky start. <laughs> we tricky flight, yes, but uh, yeah, we landed. Yeah. Um, okay, so look, just for the purpose of those who aren't aware of who the Australian Refrigeration Council is, could you just give us a bit of a... Uh, backfill on, on what you do and, and perhaps your position. Okay, so for, for starters, the, the, the primary role uh, for the Australian Refrigeration Council is to administer the Refrigeration and Air Conditioning Licence Scheme on behalf of the Federal Government. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do this uh, on a not-for-profit basis. Uh, that's, that's both for the refrigerant handlers and also for the trading authorisations for mm-hmm. who want to purchase and sell gas. Yep. Uh, my role there is the uh, the manager for uh, compliance and training involves the uh, the regulatory side of that, mm-hmm. where the RTAs and the RHLs require a licence, and uh, fundamentally the RTAs are the entities that we actually audit, yep. that we do the compliance checks on. The RHLs are part of that uh, RTA process. So I oversee all the compliance checks yep. and any of the uh, complaints. I look after all the complaints that come through, I look after all the inquiries in terms of the uh, the processes that come in, uh, and uh, and then report back. So That's one of my cop, role. Cops or cops at all, eh? Well, <laughs> we do, we do. Our area does cop at all, yeah. and we have we have uh, branches in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, and Western Australia. Uh, yep. Two we don't have is in Tasmania and Northern Territory. Yep. And uh, South Australia looks after Northern Territory, and Victoria looks after Tasmania. Okay. Well. And how, how did the IRC come about? Who, where did it all originate from? Okay, so going back in the late 80s, there was the uh, there was a finding that there was a hole in the ozone layer, mm-hmm. and therefore all, all the concerning governments around the world were, well, hey, we're going to fix this, hence formed the Montreal Protocol mm-hmm. uh, back in the late 89s, and then there was regulations built around that mm-hmm. on how we're going to fix it. So originally what took place was there was a voluntary scheme um, Pre, it was in the late 90s actually mm-hmm. it was formed. Yep. Um, and that was run by an organisation called NRAC. That was when we, us as fridges had gold cards. Yeah. If you remember those cards. Yes. And, uh, and then the department saw fit because it was voluntary, there was only minimal take up of it. And when I say minimal, I think there was about 1,700 licences. So that by 2005 they determined to make it mandatory because yep. there were no way they were going to meet their targets in terms of emissions control. Mm-hmm. Um, and hence, the ARC was formed. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and today we have around about 100,000 license holders, as, if, as opposed to the 1,700 we had back in the 90s, yeah, right. late 90s. 
Uh, yeah, it's, I was going to say it's growing pretty quick. So, how has it sort of evolved in terms of um, uh, the licensing and what have you? What's what's where did it start from? Where are we at now? So, the licensing itself that was based on the Regulations Act. Mm-hmm. So, under that act, it required that anyone who handled those controlled substances yep. must be licensed. Yep. And the department saw fit to formulate that license based on a qualification. Yep. And there were certain various types of license levels. There was mm-hmm. one for the mobile sector and the stationary sector. And then they had restricted licenses also. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the licensing came about. So, and also within the whole gamut of the regulatory requirements, there's three parts to it. There's, there's an input part which the federal government controls. So that's all the importation of refrigerants. Yep. All the domestic side of it gets handled under contract to the ARC. Mm-hmm. And there's, then there's the destruction side, which is RRA, which is the part we pay levies for when we buy the gas. Mm-hmm. So that's all funded that way. Yep. So it's totally self-funded. Yep. Is the ARC um, a government department or is that... No, no, no. It's a private company. As a, it's, private it's, company? It's a private company. Right. Non, runs non-for-profit. So right. effectively, we, we, we are paid a service fee yep. every month to administer the scheme on behalf of the federal government. Yep. Right. So we aren't the government. That's right. yep. need to make that quite clear. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and for those of the f- who are not working in the industry, the difference between an RTA and an RHL, can you just sort of sure, point sure. the differences there? So the, the RHL, which stands for Refrigerant Handling Licence, yeah. that's for the technician who does, in fact, that handle the refrigerant. Yeah. So they are required under the regulations, depending on what sector they work in, to have a licence. And that, again, is, is formulated by a level of qualification. Yep. The RTA is a Refrigerant Trading Authorisation, so that, that, that is a, a permit that allows the entity, which is fundamentally an ABN, um, to acquire, store and possess refrigerant and, mm-hmm. to, and to unsell it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're the fundamental yep. differences. Yep. You, can't, you can't have an RTA without an RHL, that's one of the requirements, along yep. with some equipment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the RHL can use the refrigerant, yep. but he can't buy it yes. or store it or possess it. It's yep. the RTA that has all those, those, yep. those rights. And with those, with those uh, Entitlements comes the compliance side of it. Yeah. So we come with a, with, a, with the um, the permit conditions that allow for um, you know records of your refrigerant purchased and sold, you know yeah. your maintenance and leak test records, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, your risk management plan, all that sort all that sort of information. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So so do you need an RTA to sell pre-charged refrigeration or air conditioning units? No, no you don't. No. Why, no. why is that? Oh, well, I think that that's that's an answer for the government. That's yep. that's a government issue. They decided on that. Yep. Um, but what you do need to do if you are going to import uh, pre-charged equipment, yes. you, need a lot, you need a permit from the government to import that into the country. Okay. That's how they record, because it goes against their quota yeah. for import of refrigerants. Right. Yeah. And that's all, I suppose, yeah, so that goes to the, their quota in the overall scheme. Correct. Things, that exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. That's why you need that import licence to bring it into the country, because it gets captured on the import. Yeah. Yeah. So the fees at the moment, um, Rod, um, what are the current, like, to have a, um, a refrigeration handling licence and an RTA, mm-hmm. what, what sort of fees are we paying at the moment? At the moment for uh, an RHL, for three years, it's $225. Yep. And for a trading authorisation, it's 720 Yes. So they've recently only just gone up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with the, um, we had a, a review, an act review just recently, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Part of that review was that the government decided to, to attach some incremental rises to the licences, mm-hmm. not part of our doing. Yep. Um, and 
to be honest, that was the first time they'd gone up a couple of years ago for 10, 12 years. They'd, they'd been the same all that time. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the increase that's happened is because they've attached a third year to it. So they haven't actually really gone up now. Okay. Any incremental oh, okay. amount. Right. It's just that we, we originally were a two-year license. Yeah. Now it's three. And in that, in that review, stakeholders and industry was asked what they like to have happen yep. within the scheme. Yep. And mm -hmm. a lot of it said, we'd rather a, a longer duration of license. Yep. So they implemented the three-year license. Okay. okay. So the fees haven't really gone up. Yeah. They've just added another year to the extended to the chart. Yeah. 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 Um, we've got a few questions through from guys on Facebook, and sure. um, so I'll just sort of touch on those throughout the conversation mm -hmm. today. But Michael on Facebook, uh, that was one of his questions: uh, why have they gone up? I think you've answered that. Um, and his other question was, where did where's that money reinvested? Okay. So it's a great question. Yeah. Great question. So can I just go back and just add, and just elaborate a little bit on that increase. So Please. that increase only in June 2019 went up by 2%, Yes, the fees yeah. for licenses. Um, and that's been that the government decided to attach a wage price index to the license okay. fees. So mm -hmm. it's gonna happen every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they're driving that, not us. Yeah. Um, so the second part of the question um, was, Reinvest. We're reimbursing the money, yes. So what the ARC does, it, it collects the, um, the the fees for both the permits, uh, the license fees, and the and the authorization fees. Yeah. And it goes into a government account. We don't, we can't touch that. Yeah. And they're the only ones with access to that. And as I said, the the government pays us on a monthly basis, a service yep. fee to administer the scheme. So yep. currently, at the moment, we know that uh, from our financial reports that we put in every year, you know, we get about sixty percent of that that revenue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other forty percent general revenue. Well, it goes to the Department of Environment. They 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 yeah. handle it. We yeah. Don't, we don't have no control over that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't control over any of the money, but that's yeah. Saying, yeah. Reinvest it back into the into the scheme is sixty percent of the revenue generated yeah. from okay. the license fees. Yeah. And, and what do they? What does ARC use that those funds for? Is it just general? Well, they're operational funds. Operational funds. Yeah. So yeah. if you look at our financial report, which we which is on our website yeah. every year, mm -hmm. it gives you all our operating costs. Yep. So they're you know, based on wages and rents yeah. and, and so forth yeah. and so on. Yep. Yep. Okay, that's great. And um, so one of the questions that Kane on Facebook, that's Kane with a K, um, he's asking, I think, or referring to the, the Certificate 2 courses. Um, and his question is why is the course uh, so short for electricians. Um, why aren't they uh, another two years on an apprenticeship? Um, and on the flip side, he's asking why. So he's saying why don't they have another two years? Two years on top of to do a full apprenticeship to use yeah. and work with and buy. I suppose if they want to buy, they have to do that, don't they? If, do they, want to, if they want to, um, if they want to buy a refrigerant. So, so to, to, to buy a refrigerant, you need a training authorisation. To have a training authorisation, you've got to have <coughs> equipment yep. plus licensed handlers in, yep. in, the, in your designated yep. sector, whether yep. that be mobile or stationary. Yeah. Yep. So yep. you have to have licensed handlers that relate to the stationary yep. sector or, or Cert two level in the automotive. So yep. it depends on what application right, right. they're putting that. Yep. Yep. So I guess his, his question is um, around the... I guess it's a, it's a general um, question that a lot of fridges have got, and that is those who have done their full four-year apprenticeships, 
and then you've got the electricians who are doing a, a short course. Or plumbers or, or plumbers yes. or whoever. Yeah. Um, and and I, I guess there's a lot of um, uh, yeah, a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disappointment, I suppose. They think that they feel like they're they're not being listened to, I suppose, in terms of um, they they're doing, doing put all this work into a four years, and then Sparky comes along and does a two day course. Is it fair or is it not fair? And what I suppose where it gets to them is it's not reciprocal. Uh, I suppose they're, they're, if they want to get an electrical license, they've got to do a a full four year apprenticeship mm-hmm. and, and that's doesn't regardless of what experience and whatever yeah. you've got mm-hmm. so I suppose where that's where the issues come into it sure. you know? no, I totally hear what you're saying so yeah. so can I just put this into some some real context Please, yeah. we're talking about a cert two yes and then we're talking about maybe electrical license which is, is a trade license so you're talking cert three level so so I just want to clarify where we're talking about because I've got answers for both yes mm-hmm. so if you talk about a cert two electrician getting a cert two. Yep. You know, we did do the ARC did we did formulate a report on RPL for both cert two and cert threes some time ago. I don't know if you're yes. familiar with it. Yeah, sure. So we did nominate the, the amount of hours that someone would have to do um, based on those electrical competencies yep. coming across. Um, and you've got to understand one thing with RPL and I know I do know a little bit about it. I was, yep. I was working in the training sector for some six years, seven years. Um, and I, I know a bit about, about RPL. Yeah. And RPL is based on what the, the individual brings to the table in terms mm-hmm. of proving that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we can't answer for any of these training providers who, who provide that RPL process because we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, yeah. we, we issue a license based on a qualification presented to us yes, by the exactly. individual. Yeah. Yeah. So, effectively, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, we've provided uh, evidence to the industry about what we believe. An RPL involves and how many hours are required. Yeah. If an individual brings more to the table than just his electrical qualifications, then he's going to be accredited mm-hmm. with less amount of work. Yeah. Just like a fridge if he went to electricians and asked them the same question. You know, there is this there is this thing about why aren't we given the same chance as electricians? Well we are, because I'm sure all of us here hold a restricted electrical license. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the difference? I don't know what. Yeah, I suppose it, um, it's just the context of what you want. Yeah. I know Kane's spoken about laying cables and so forth and so on. That's yeah. something you need to ask the electrical industry about. That's, yeah, that's something that's not, we can't answer. That's not it. Yeah. But I just like to put it in the context that we have in the rack industry a restricted electrical license. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you understand where I'm coming yeah. from? Yeah. yeah. They have, they've given us something. We're giving them something. Yeah. And that's probably something that. Um, is sort of reflecting on on you guys more than it should be because it really ha- doesn't um, it doesn't have any relation to what you're what you're doing in in, in the industry. Correct. It's not it's not really your problem. Well, it's, it's well we don't set that standard. You don't set that. We don't someone set else that's Well, the government does. The, the, the qualifications that we're talking about, the Cert two split mm-hmm. qualification, the Cert three qualification, they're all embedded in the regulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The government has decided these are the regulations, yeah. these are the qualifications for those yeah. licences. Yeah. We have no control over that. We, we're paid yeah. Yeah. to administer a licence based on a qualification being presented to mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ASQA, who are the regulator for the training providers, it's their role to make sure that the training yes. is delivered yeah. appropriately and to a standard yeah. that the industry wants. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from is the training organisations. Um, perhaps, you know, obviously, they may, they may not have been doing their job correctly um, and 
in, in effect, you're, you're allowing people to go through mm. that you know possibly shouldn't be shouldn't be going through. So yeah. that's not that's not your side of things. That's the training organisations. Yeah, sure. Um, if if they say yes, this person's capable of having a a, a license, an Arctic license, then that's where you're coming to it. Look, and, and you're right in what you're saying is that you know, we are involved with, I work very closely with ASPA yeah. and so does the rest of the ARC mm -hmm. uh, in, in making sure that that level of training is at a standard. It's yeah. the same across the board. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of our licence, it does cross borders. Unlike you know, electrical, for example, you can't. You know, if you move into another state, you've got to meet their state requirements in terms yeah. of electrical. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you were to go to Queensland and work as a refrigeration mechanic, yeah. you'd have to do more training yes. in electrical, yeah. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we work closely with ASPA, yeah. uh, and if we hear of, of a training provider or, or we hear uh, and we have evidence of, 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 a, of someone who's been trained by a training provider not working to the standard that's required of them, mm. we, the only thing we can do is notify ASPA, mm. and, yeah. and we do that with yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think we've had some, some gains in the training uh, sector in that uh, we, we don't hear that many complaints about dodgy training providers anymore. In fact, right. the last 12 months, I've heard very little, right. and I think it's because of how proactive we have been in the past yeah. on yeah. this particular issue. Um, I'm not saying we fixed it yeah. by no stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just it's just that yeah, I think it's the fridges are feeling like they're being uh, battered a bit because they're yeah. you know we can't turn around and go all right well let's go and do we we can go and do a a, a twelve month course even. Um, to get a, a license, you know, a license to do a, a power feed for an air conditioner or mm -hmm. or a refrigeration system or something like that. Um, yet they can come over and do, and, and I understand what you're saying. It's all to do with RPL and all that type of thing. But there just seems to be a bit of an imbalance there. I think yeah. that's, and that's probably where the the, the, the issues are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, more so than just the licensing. And, and I think the the other thing, just further to that, Brad, though, I think the other concern that keeps popping up is the fact that they're concerned that um, the refrigeration technician trade is becoming diluted because of it, because they've got so many sparkies coming on to get their Cert 2s, um, and eventually will become extinct because then you've got the plumbers and everything else. So uh, I guess the supply and demand, isn't it? You get to the point where it's almost saturation mm. yeah. so all these people doing it we, yeah, yeah. We, we, we we thought that would be the case mm. that, that mm. we would get saturated but yep. figures show that we're not there yet I, mm. you yeah. know probably probably in the space where splits are being installed mm. yeah. um you know uh, again that that decision was made i mean we were consulted many many years ago yeah. not that many people knew about it but we, the industry was consulted yeah. No one fronted. No one gave a voice. And no, we're paying the price now. There's no voice, is there? Yeah, really? That's right. And that's, exactly. the, that's the whole issue, I suppose. Yeah. Um, um, and I suppose that, you know, what fridges would ideally would like is a is a body um, that is uh, looking after in the interests of refrigeration mechanics. Yeah. I suppose that's where it needs to be. But who's that going to be? Mm. You know? Well, you look at armour, and that's I think guess what armour. That's what they're trying, they're to, trying, achieve, trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Just to have a voice, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So, Rob, when we're talking about the cert cert twos, um, just for those who aren't aware of the differences, and this may be for the benefit of a consumer who's looking to purchase, yeah. um, so that they fully understand um, the difference between a restricted license and a full license. Can you just sort of sure. elaborate on that? So, so the, the being for a restricted license, 
was to allow uh, an allied trade, an exterior trade, to just install yep. and decommission mm-hmm. a, a split system up to 18 kilowatts. And that contains only one head, so one indoor, one outdoor. Yes. It's not multi-head systems, yep. it's just contained to a single head unit. Yep. And that configuration could be you know, floor, ceiling, high wall, you know, add-on ducted, yes. doesn't matter, as long as it's one indoor, one outdoor. Um, so the idea of the limitation is just, the, the, and the training is fixed with the limitation, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just, just obviously describes them how to install and how to decommission. So yep. that, that's all it does. Yes. Yep. You know, there's no servicing, no maintenance, this, in any of the training, so uh, yeah. that's all it is. And 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 fundamentally, it was brought about that uh, for obvious reasons is that we are such a big, high intake of split systems in this country. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Mm. I mean, some of the reports out of cold are facts about the amount of units we bring in. It's yeah. yeah, phenomenal yeah. compared to the rest of the world. And are you guys privy to like um, statistics on what sort of um, uh, or any sort of feedback in terms of issues with cert to installs do you have no, you see I've, 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 I've spoken to quite a few importers about yep. this and because they they don't deal with that issue after it's sold and they yep. don't get involved in the install yep. they have very little information yeah i mean you guys would, would, would have an understanding of that too i'm sure yep. um i would like to have that information to be honest yeah. about the failure rate and who was involved in it yes but we don't have that information. Yeah, yeah. But that'd be great. Yeah, just think yeah, about that would be great. It would, yeah. because it would clear the air. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of um, record keeping, sure. Obviously, we're, being a, holding an RTA, uh, you need to have a. There's a certain responsibilities that come with that, of course. So, um, being diligent with record keeping. Why do people need to be so diligent with it and keep records for okay, so? Look, fundamentally, it's the, the idea of the records are to obviously record the amount of refrigerant you use, how much is going in and going out, because in the, within the regulations, that's fundamentally what they want to know. They want to know who's got the refrigerant to start with mm-hmm. and, 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 and are they licensed to be yeah. having it. That's, that's fundamentally the purpose. Yeah. So part of that is, is a whole paper trail of where it leaves the importer to the wholesaler to the, to the contractor. After it leaves the contractor, there's no requirement to, to, to record the incremental sales yeah. It's only the bulk movement, so it's yeah. the bottles in, bottles out, mm-hmm. and that's all that's required. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the records are based uh, not to be an arduous task, yeah. it's just a, a minimal record keeping. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that's something that our field officers do as part of the compliance checks, uh, some 6,000 that we do a year, um, to industry, is to show them the way, some shortcuts that they can do within their Organisation because not every organisation is the same. I mean, yeah. the mobile one's completely different to a, to a stationary, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and they're completely different to a a, a motor rigger, a dismantler, mm-hmm. an end of life. So, the idea uh, of the records is uh, is for that purpose to track it, but it's also so that they can make sure they understand what they're using, how they're using it, and reducing emissions at the end of the day. Because if they they understand what they're using, where it's going, mm-hmm. then they're going to be keep track of. And, and yeah. it's a commodity. Let's face it; it's quite yeah. expensive now to have it. So. Yeah. You want to make sure you're knowing yeah, yeah. where it's going and how you're using it. Yeah. The other records, in terms of maintenance records and leak test records, they're just part of the requirements of having the RTA. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's all about reducing emissions. So hence, having good operating equipment is obviously going to help and assist in reducing emissions. Yeah. And also, if you need that recovery unit to work on the day, you know it's going to work. Yeah. And if you've tested it, um, yeah. and 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 same goes with leak testing your cylinders. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the old days, we never we didn't didn't do any of this. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think it's great. I think, I'd, I'd wish we'd had these controls earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah. What's um, the requirement? What requirements do the large retailers 
for instance, you know, the big hardware stores, etc., that are now selling uh, split systems. Um, do they have a requirement to have a, um, a trading authorization or? No, they don't. They don't. They don't, they don't. It's not, not something the refrigerants comes. It comes in the packaged equipment. Yeah. So the only obligation they have from us and the government is that they, if if they impart any information to the consumer about installations, that they direct them down to someone who's properly licensed. Yeah. And our our, um, our manager for the communications liaises with all the outlets, the, yeah. the larger retailers, the Harvey Normans and those Billy guys, yeah. you know, the, the, the large retail outlets. Yeah. We we have a consumer process where there's there's point of sale documentation on their counters so that they, they know who the ARC are, mm-hmm. what to look for in terms of a, a, an identification card from an Arctic card. So because yeah. I I just um, I mean I have a bit of an issue with that um, that they you know people could go in there and buy a split system and, and literally put it in themselves yeah. and no one would be the wiser. And, that, and they, they would obviously not have the equipment, purging, no. all that yes. sort of stuff. Yes, yes. But yes. that's so, not helping the environment. No. And I think that because a lot of the hard, big hardware stores, they're, they're promoted as a DIY establishment, aren't they? So that's what they're really pushing and encouraging yeah. people to do, do stuff themselves. And I think that's kind of what you're saying yeah, too, yeah. is that having, having them in a store like that promotes a do-it-yourself type installation, yeah. which can create a whole... And, and all the more reason why we need to be in that space. <coughs> yes. You know, yes. showing yes. our face yeah. and showing you art to go yeah. And, yeah. and making them aware of the requirements yeah. legally yes. that they have to only use yeah. the store yeah. and the implications if they don't. Yeah. Because part of the compliance area is that we, we look at not only the people who are in the scheme, but people who are... Per, who are possibly out working outside of the scheme. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. part of our role is to is to educate. Mm. So that's what we do. We will go out and we'll see these people we think might be doing the wrong thing, yeah. Yeah. tell them they should be doing the right thing, and if we think if we believe they should be within the scheme, yeah. we give them the information to do that. Yeah. And if they elect not to do that, mm. um, as the ARC does, we don't do any enforcement. Mm. Mm-hmm. All that's done at government level. Yeah. All we do are the primary inquiries, and then we, we, we form a, um, a document yeah. for it, to the department for them to uh, to escalate yeah. if they if they see fit. Yeah. So 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 we we do a lot of uh, some five six hundred inquiries of people who are working within the scheme that they're probably doing something wrong or, and people who, who aren't even in the scheme at all that, that we think should be in the scheme. Yeah. yeah. So we might go past some some outlet that we are not aware of and they're selling aircon equipment. One of our guys will drop in there and make sure that they do have that point of sale equipment mm-hmm. and our, our names there for the consumer to see. Yeah. Um, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's plenty of obviously people out there who are flying beneath the radar, and we had a perfect example just uh, this week where uh, a guy called up. He had um, wanted us to uh, go out there and look at his wall split system. Said uh, it's got cooling, and we, of course we we just through various questions we worked out it's probably more related to gas than anything else. Stumped its charge. Um, and when we explained the process to him and what's involved for doing that, he just turned around and said, oh, no, don't, look, don't worry about it. I'll go and get another one and I'll put it in. Now, and that was pretty, pretty much the end of it. And I'm sure this goes on. And this is, I guess, where there's a lot of um, uncertainty out there. A lot of, it just creates um, anger amongst you know, you, you, you train fridges because there's these people out there who have got access to the stuff and they just go and whack it in yeah. themselves and think it's, you know, a, a straightforward uh, um, procedure to do. Um, but yeah, what happens around that? I mean, it, 
Is the ARC, can they do anything? I mean, is there Dobbin type scenarios? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we do. We, we, have a, um, we have a complaints portal on our website. Yeah, right. You can make a complaint. You can be anonymous if you, if you want to be. There's yeah. a box there to be anonymous. Yeah. Um, but underpinning all that is some evidence. So, again, you know, it's, we're lucky to have field officers in every most states, so we can, we can go out and, and do those preliminary inquiries. Mm. Um, and if they're seen to have been installed, for, for, for this question particularly, if an installation has been highlighted and it seems to have been installed by an unlicensed person, yeah. well then we can we can we certainly can forward that information to mm. the department. So it goes through the department yeah, and ARC right. are not involved with any sort of um, in terms of penalties or no, that, yeah. that's that's not what we do. No. And yeah. what sort of all the enforcements yeah. and everything's done through the government? Through the government. Yeah. yeah. And what sort of through the EPA? No, not the EPA. No, it's okay. federal level. The oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what are the what are the penalties? If someone was to, to do that, what are yeah. the penalties involved well, for that? In right. fact, just for working without a, a, a handling license, I think it was that twenty one hundred dollars. I think it was twenty one hundred dollars. Okay. Yep. And does that, I mean has that hap that happened over, you know, over the time? Um, has there been many fines there, issued? Or there, is it well, a, that's something you have to ask the department. Yeah. They, they don't they don't advertise that information. Yeah. Um, but what I can say uh, from an ARC point of view is that there is last year alone, and it's it's it's, it's in our financial report, some eighty four. Permit holders were unable to renew their licences with, with us. Right. Through non compliance issues. Right. So that's something that's escalated and then gone to the department. No, 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 that's done at ARC that's level. Your level. We, right. have that, we have that power. Okay. Yep. We have that power. That's, that's administered by the, the minister. Yeah, okay. To, to, to revoke yeah. uh, renewing someone's licence on non compliance issues. Right. Yeah. And is that is that penalty, right? Is that um, 2100 bucks? Is that. Uh, on a sliding scale based on the capacity size of a unit, or is it just a, a uh, so no, it's an 80 kilowatt as opposed to a 2.5? I, I don't so believe so. We, I said that, we don't get involved in that side of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. That's something that's administered yeah. at federal level. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. Okay. Because mm -hmm. naturally there's going to be a huge amount of difference in refrigerant, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Um, okay, so now the CERT 2, how, how long has it been in place? Um, Right. Well, it, it's since the nineties. Since the nineties. Yeah, yeah, since the nineties. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was a teacher back in those days, and I yeah. remember administering those days. Yeah. Mm. And do do you think uh, it's going to be one of those things that's going to be evolving, or and based on feedback and you know platforms like this where sort of people are speaking their mind, do you think that will, things will change over time, or do you, can you see it sort of status quo and moving forward? Um, that's something that's, that the industry is going to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's the only way you'll make change is mm. if the industry steps up and asks the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not something the ARC yep. uh, is going to make the change because no. I said we, you know, we, we, we're contracted to the department to administer yeah. the scheme. Yeah, uh, we don't make that decision. Look, we again it, through Cooltrans we, we notified the industry that we did a report on the cert too. Yes, yes. Uh, qualifications and the shortfalls that were surrounded about it. Yeah, uh, and the department has that report. Mm -hmm. Um, and what they do with it is what they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and Kane uh, M on Facebook, he sort of says, does the ARC audit the electricians and do random checks on jobs completed? Um, I think yeah, we know the answer to that, but... Yeah, we don't, we don't do quality checks on the installs. That's something right. we don't do. That's, okay. that's predominantly done by state-based organisations. Yep. Because um, it comes under their work health and safety and uh, consumer protection yep. laws. Um, but we, we do audit the RTAs that have 
split system licenses. Yeah. As I said, we do over 6,000 orders a year. Yeah. So the majority of those are in the rack sector. They come into the rack sector. So that's, yeah, that's part of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just merely by driving around and seeing some of these installs, you, you think to yourself, my God, that has to be a DIY or this person, if they've got a, a license, shouldn't have one. Mm. Um, and, you know, things like Facebook and what have you, you know, these are good without, I don't know, naming and shaming. Is that, you know, a path that we want to go down with some of these businesses? And, you know, um, or do you think, do you think taking the appropriate sort of avenues and heading through that way? I mean, people need to I take bring into the attention. Yeah. Of the right people, yeah. People that hold that that, that control over the over the qualification, mm. I think bringing attention to them yeah. is mm-hmm. the best way to go about it. I mean, throwing it all at us is not going to do anything. Yeah. To be honest, we yeah. can't make that decision as we've we've set out a letter. Yeah, yeah. Um, we certainly want to know about it um, because it helps our case. But I think um, you know, getting a voice and speaking to the department with some information that backs all what you're saying up yeah. is is what needs to be done. Yeah. Yep. So considering the dangers around the flammable refrigerants, i.e. R32s, right, um, and the amount of restricted licences and the level of training received, so what are your thoughts around upskilling a restricted licence holder within a given time frame to ensure the safety of not only the person doing it, but the end user as well? Mm. Look, I think uh, education to the consumer is very important. I mean, they need to know what they're putting in their premises. And I think yeah. that's, that's well advertised now anyway. I don't think there's an issue there. I think in terms of skilling, upskilling the industry on R32, mm. on, an a, on A2L refrigerants, I mean, the ARC has been very proactive um, because we were the ones that, uh, um, I don't know if you're aware of the situation with, with that sort of training, it's got to be brought to an, an IRC and it's got to be presented to the government mm-hmm. to be endorsed and so forth and so on. And, and, and the resources got to be built and the qualifications got to be built. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of issues with the with the training package at the moment. It's being uh, updated as we speak, um, and the ARC recognised some 12 months ago that, that training in that space, with the amount of Cert two training being delivered, and wasn't covering it wasn't in the curriculum, wasn't covering R32 mm-hmm. being a mildly flammable refrigerant. Yeah, um, and the implications that especially how this implications it, it involves in terms of the equipment you use and so forth. Yeah. So the ARC. We're able to build a qualification, get it endorsed through the VQRF in Victoria, um, and it's 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 now out there in the in Australia to be able to take up by RTOs and deliver. In fact, there's a couple of RTOs currently uh, delivering it now, yeah. one in Victoria especially, uh, Box Hill Safe. So that's training on the A2O refrigerants. Would they be taking that on board in um, you know an apprenticeship situation, like with a well, once 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 that's that's the problem with the curriculum system that we have now. Yeah. Is that the the units got to be endorsed by mm. the training in the training yeah. package for yeah. it to be delivered nationally? Yes. So that that that, that path we, we we wanted to take originally, yeah, but it got held back because of all the the training package uh, changes that were taking place. Yeah, it was going to be held up, and ARC saw the need to get it in yeah. as quick as we can so yes. it could be delivered. Yeah. So effectively, we were hoping for that to go through the the correct channels yeah. in the middle of this year. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we decided to get it early, which we did last year. We got it endorsed last year through yeah. the Victoria, through the Victorian state. Um, and so it, it was it was attached onto another qualification, which was nationally as a unit. So it meant that any other training provider could pick it up and deliver it. Right. 
So yes. what, essentially what it requires is for the industry to take it up yes. and go and do it. Yeah, yeah. I think as we go towards the natural refrigerant, which is, it's going to be a, something that's going to happen in the future, isn't it? Because we're already starting with the R32 and we're going down that path towards natural refrigerant. What sort of uh, role does uh, will Arctic have? Will you have any part in um, in in governing what what's happening with natural refrigerants or or the train that training side of things? And again, because it's it's an important it's, it's a very important question and again great yeah. question because yeah. the ARCs been on the front foot again. Yeah. In that we, we created the Arctic Green Scheme mm -hmm. some eighteen months ago. Again, based on that principle, we could see where the industry was heading. Yeah. And everyone was screaming at us because yeah. why aren't we covering all refrigerants? Yeah. Now under the current government umbrella of the Environmental Act, it doesn't cover the naturals. That's right. So yeah. therefore we couldn't, we, we had no voice in that area. Yeah. So the ARC was fortunate enough to have some funds that mm -hmm. gained through its momentum outside of the scheme. Yeah. And uh, so we, we developed, with a very low budget, yeah. <laughs> the Green Scheme. Uh, yeah. We incorporated some use of competency in the stationary sector, covering uh, A2O refrigerants, uh, CO2, ammonia, hydrocarbons. Yeah. They're all on the website. Yeah. Um, and again, it's there ready to be used. Uh, yes. it's, it's, and the, the platform was built for the industry to take it where it wants to take it. You know, mm. Everyone screamed that they wanted some form of accreditation yeah. on that system. We've got it. It's there. Yeah. Um, there's a slow uptake. It's not huge, trust me. Um, but uh, it's there. It's, I think it's, it's incredibly important because we, it's such we, a dangerous um, you know, mm. material gas to be working with and you don't know that you're using it if you don't know that that's in the system that's right uh, i think everyone should be should be testing every system these days to to make sure that someone hasn't you know put put some hydrocarbon or something in there and and that they don't know you know first thing i reckon you should do is put a tester on there test is it hydrocarbon that's right. if it's not okay it's, we're right we can we can work with it the way we know if, if it is hydrocarbon, obviously there's steps you're going to take to, to work with that safely. Otherwise, you're putting lives at risk, for sure. And that's something yeah. that's, we totally agree, that's something yeah. that, uh, that we advocate on our permit checks, especially yeah. in the mobile sector. All of yeah. our field officers have, yes. have mm -hmm. an identifier with them. Yeah. And uh, we, we specifically talk to the mobile, we know the mobile sector's rife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are unaware. They are yeah. oblivious. Yeah, exactly. Totally yeah. oblivious. And yeah. when, we, when we speak to them with the horror that, that they're dealing with and, and actually show them yeah. in their machine that, 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 that at this present time they've got a mixture in that bottle out they have no idea yeah, right. and all they're doing is spreading yeah. it across every car they touch afterwards yeah, and that's recycle right. machines yeah. but the same can be said in the stationary sector yeah exactly yeah. but I, I strongly believe that everyone should be testing their gas Definitely. the first thing they do yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. in fact I'm, I'm taking steps in the uh, in the automotive market now to have that embedded in the training yeah, yeah. So the first thing they do is analyse the contents of what's yeah. in the vehicle Mm. I mean, that's only a small charge. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's only a small charge. But can still be just as equal, oh, correct. you know, correct. vital. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and for the average um, person with uh, an RTA or um, RHL, how often can they expect to be audited? That's a really good question in that we, we average around two to three years. Uh, but that all... Our, our annual work plans with the department, they change every year, obviously, and that all depends on what's the flavor, what's, what's, where, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on the mines? Are we focusing on the split system installs? 
it depends where the focus of, the, of, of any particular area is in terms of emissions. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it could be that we, we, we only see it once every three years. Yep. But there's been cases where we've gone to, to some regional area and we've gone back there the year, uh, 12 months later because some other reason. Yeah. Um, and look, at nine times out of 10 that they've, it, it's a breeze, the second visit's a breeze because they know what's expected, they know, they've got everything ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, they're usually pretty happy to see us to be honest. I've done quite a few, uh, I've had a, quite a few audits myself. And yes. It, I don't see it as being a, a big impost. It's, if you, as, as long as you've got your all your all your paperwork in order, yeah. it's fairly simple. Process. And that's what we try to we, and we do ask that question because it's not meant to be an impost. If it's an impost, we want to know, yeah. so we can we can let the department know mm. that this, this is an area that yeah. needs to be looked at because it's becoming a an impost on business, and the, the regulations aren't meant to be an impost. Mm -hmm. you know, if we can streamline it, and we have done in many ways yeah. through the the electronic version, electronic version yeah, yes. we find that's that's a, that's had a great uptake since we brought that in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it doesn't need that shuffle of the paper. Yeah, uh, right. and you can easily delete and alter things much easier yeah. than yeah. scribbling and white outing. How long has that been around? Right? The electronic yeah. version. Yeah. Oh, I think it's it's been there as long as I've been in order. So it, it, it's probably not been put out pushed as much in the last. You know, five years. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been around for at least five, six years. Yeah. I did have a question from just looking through my pages here. Uh, I can't find who it was, but essentially, oh, well, it's anonymous after all that. But they said um, uh, when the database went down. Oh, yes. Um, what happened and how long was it down for? Because I guess where they're coming from with that was they couldn't buy refrigerant at the time or something has happened that's impacted their day yes. to day yeah that, there was there was an issue in about october last year we had an upgrade on our database yeah and effectively it was only down for a couple of weeks the the, the rest of the so that's probably not correct to say the only thing that was down for about two weeks the database was, was physically down for probably a day or two yeah the application process online was the most affected so hence what you're saying that someone could have been Interrupted with buying refrigerant, yeah, um, because they couldn't get on that online application process. Yep. So that was the one that was mainly affected. The rest of the database was working fine. It was just that online application yeah. side that uh, was affected the most. But you know, we do the ARC does notify everyone well in advance when it comes up for renewal. If an individual wants, I know common they, they do it. They leave it right up yep. to death's door. Yeah, uh, but that's the penalty. If you yep. leave it right at the end, you don't know what you're gonna. Yeah. What you're going to come up against. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I just ask a question? I suppose from my personal point of view, um, when if, let's say you you've got your license um, and and you've it's some for some reason it's lapsed, um, and I think in my case I I didn't get an email because the email address was wrong or something like that. Yes. Um, found it during the audit. Um, so it had actually run out. It would have been embarrassing. It was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was actually, I actually uh, looked at it and it was on his computer, it was wrong. Right. It was a spelling mistake or something, but that's fine. Um, and uh, he said, well, you're going to have to go through the whole process again. Um, so that meant um, getting all my trade papers, the whole the whole gamut, um, and then and sending it all through new new uh, numbers. When did, when did this take place? Uh, this was about two years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, so and I was just wondering why wouldn't that all be on record? And right. you know that that's my, yeah, my sure. where it's coming from. Again, again, another great question. What what we did back some five years ago, there was a process where we had to do an internal audit mm -hmm. to make sure that the the licenses that were issued 
were issued correctly against the correct qualifications. Because there was situations there we'd found earlier that, you know, because going back to 2005, when the scheme was first put into being mandatory, because at the, the ARC had such an influx of people wanting licences, People who didn't apply with a qualification were given what was called an experienced person's license. I don't know if you oh, yes, are you yeah, aware of that. Yeah, yeah. And they were given a time yeah. to get a, to get their qualifications in order and present them to the ARC. Um, and so the government decided to extend that by another couple of years, another couple of years, and then they cut it off and said, "Well, you haven't done it within six or seven years. It's, yeah, you're obviously oh. never going to supply them. Yeah. Uh, that's it, game over. So if yeah. you don't supply the polls, bang." So we did that. That was great. So part of our quality assurance is that. The department and the ARC internally say so we need to check and make sure that everyone who's got a license now there's a qualification against it so therefore the idea was to get your quality in make sure that everything all everything's corrected and in order right so i can tell you now that if you were to your license was to lapse now you wouldn't be asked oh, to okay. present your quality because right. we have everyone now okay. with, the, with the rights scanned uh, qualifications yeah. against the license yeah so all you would need to now do is just to reapply as in the application oh, okay yeah yeah uh, and, and a photo if we need one obviously. and the but number the, is that yeah. well the number will change on the application yeah unfortunately yeah. because once that that yeah. number elapses yeah um, i think that's what um was a bit of an issue because Obviously, I had my Arctic license on the car. Okay, so was, it, was, was, your, was your RHL number or your RTA number? Uh, your RTA number is a different story. Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, okay. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. The, the RHL, the RHL, it, it just falls off the cliff, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Once it lapses. Uh, but the R, the RTA is, is a number that you can keep. Right. That used to be okay. different. That was yeah. different in the old. It's now yeah. you, can, you can keep that. Number. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For obvious reasons, because yeah. I said that would be an invite. If you've got all your stationary parts, oh, your RTA, yeah, your yeah. business cards, your vans, if and you want to turn around and say, oh, guess what, you've got to change it. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. pretty yeah. angry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We understand. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a few more questions that we need, would like to get through if we can, Rod, uh, perhaps in a another we'll say for another day if, you, if you're happy sure. to do that happy to um so keith uh kane the mcbee and simon um sorry we couldn't get to yours today but we will do a, a, a part two of this series with the, the rc and um hopefully we can address those for you um but now um it's that time who's that time it's that time <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Uh, right, this is called Keeping It Cool on the Hot Seat. Now, this is a segment where we put some time on the clock and we're going to ask you a series of questions so your shortest, quickest answer would be most appreciated. You ready to go? Ready. All right, Rod, your time starts now. NRL or AFL? AFL. Your favourite team? Geelong. Geelong. You're doing pretty well at the moment. That's <laughs> Paddy <Patty> going <laughs> <laughs> we went last week. Yeah. <laughs> we got rolled last week. Did you get last we week? We did. Yeah. Um, beer, wine, spirits, or all three? No, just beer. Just beer. What's your favourite? Uh, I haven't got a favourite. No, 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 no. I, I like anything to, cold and frothy. Anything cold and frothy, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, if you could change your name, what would it be? Bert. Bert? Bert. Not Ernie? No. <laughs> if you were on a desert island with one person, who would it be? Halle Berry. Oh, 
Not bad. Not a good bad. choice. Yeah, I you that. You have the water, though. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to fight for her, though. <laughs> Get in line. Yeah. <laughs> I think she got one of those funny little toes out the side of her foot. Oh, no. That put me right off. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know too much information. <laughs> are you a morning person, yes or no? Yes. You are. If you could be an animal, what would it be, please? Tiger. A tiger. What would that be? I'm Just a like tigers. I like tigers. Yeah? Yeah. Good. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Read people's minds. Be good that would be very handy. Frightening at times, perhaps. Yes. Um, Ford or Holden? Ford. Ford. What are you currently driving? A Mercedes. Mercedes? Okay. The last gift you gave someone? Uh, a flower. Nice. Mm. Your, fa- your, your partner? Yes. 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 Your favourite smell? My partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say the flower. There you go, that's not nice. Um, and your favourite noise? A V8. V8. Yes. Uh, your favourite swear word? Bugger. <laughs> your ideal Sunday? Riding my bike. Nice. Ride a bike? Push bike. Push bike, yeah. Ride your porn star name? Smoking. Sm- smoking. <laughs> Stop the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull you up on this. <laughs> Who cares? What is all that about? I don't know. Mate. <laughs> just just, just, just come okay. out. We'll continue the clock now. Uh, what pro- profession would you have done other than air, con- uh, air conditioning and air conditioning field? I like many fridges, yep. and I'm sure you guys are the same, was, was going down another path. I happened to fall into refrigeration, but I trained to be a carpenter. Oh, right. Chippy. Yeah. Okay. And what was your most embarrassing moment? Probably as a fridgy. Uh, I was working in the hospital and I set the smoke alarms off. Oh, yeah. Unbeknownst to me. That'll do it. That's yeah. pretty embarrassing. <laughs> it wasn't until, you know, stormtroopers tapping on the back of the shoulder. <laughs> oh, dear. Very embarrassed. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and um, what is, uh, where's my last question? What does everyone look Awkward doing. Water skiing. Water skiing, yes. mm. Especially on two. Yes. When they start. That's right. quite comical. And there's the buzzer. Yeah. Well done, mate. You've, you've nailed those uh, quick answer questions. Well done. We slowed up at the end there. That was pretty good. Uh, smoking? Is that what we call you? Smoking. <laughs> 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 you won't that one down. Uh, oh. <laughs> so look, I uh, just wanted to say thanks, Rod, for coming in today. We, we really um, appreciate your time. You. We know your time is valuable and you've given up your time to come in today to address some of these questions. We hope we can have you back again in the future just to look at a few more. Um, but uh, that pretty much wraps us up on this yeah. episode. So, uh, guys, don't forget to check out airconditioningpodcast.com. We will put a, a, a link to um, Arctic's uh, website, which is uh, arctic.org. That's correct. correct. Yep. yep. Any other ways people can get in touch with uh, the ARC? Uh, or my phone. Yep. Are they yep. on f- yep. social media pages? No. No. Just no. okay. Uh, and what number should they contact for general? General is the ones we've got. Ones we have. Yep. Eight eight four four eighty three. That's the one you put me to. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So guys, um, yeah, check us out on airconditioningpodcast.com as well as our social media pages. But until next week, sayonara.
Adios. That's all for this episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast. Be sure to stop by at airconditioningpodcast.com to connect with us, as well as on Facebook and Twitter, and join in the conversation. Until next time, stay tuned, stay positive, and stay cool.